Welcome to the Props Public Safety Podcast, where experienced firefighters discuss drone operations in public safety. Take flight, save lives, save service members. What's up, buddy? How you doing, John? What's up, man? Uh, another day in paradise. How about yourself? Absolutely another day in paradise. I Excellent. Can't... I know we had a busy week uh, over the course of this week. Absolutely. Um, a lot is going on and uh, a lot of things in the making. Uh, things are coming to fruition. Uh, so um, let's take a little time and help somebody out. I like it. Um, yeah. So I will let you hear the question as well. Um, but it comes from a volunteer from the Seattle area. Okay. Um, so let's roll on that. And then um, we'll get some feedback and we'll bounce some ideas off of each other. And I'm sure we can help this fellow out. Great. Let's take a listen and we'll go from there. All right, everybody, let's listen in to Neil. Hello, my name is Neil. So uh, I live on a somewhat rural island accessible by ferry to Seattle. I'm a volunteer for a nonprofit organization that partners with the city and local fire department with the goal to advance the island's emergency preparedness. The volunteer members are composed of functional teams, and one of the team's goals is to use advanced technology to support our community, especially during emergencies. One of the first things that came up was the use of UAVs, as several of us are Part 107 pilots already. We recently roughed out some uses and requirements, but are currently at the stage where we'd like to learn from other, more seasoned volunteer organizations with similar goals. Do you have any guidance on how to proceed with this? We don't want the effort to get squashed by something we could have planned around. Thanks. Boom. So what did you think of that? That's a lot of information. But it I is a lot of information, <laughs> but it's it's absolutely doable. I mean, you see, um, I mean, there's countless volunteer organizations already doing this. Before Before we even get into that aspect, I just like the fact that he has the wherewithal to reach out before he hits that failure point. Absolutely. So definitely as a volunteer organization, money is definitely going to be a factor. Where are they getting this equipment from? And if he's in one of these states that has legislation in the works or legislation, you know, pending on what kind of UAS they need to operate with, you know, like the the drone bands, as we call them. Yeah. One purchase could kill the entire program in a couple of months. Uh, you, we've seen legislation get passed through literally overnight, like in Florida, and some are taking four years. So the idea is definitely do your research on what equipment you need to procure before solidifying any kind of purchase on equipment for that area. Luckily, he's in an area of the country where I, I think that's going to hit a little bit later on, but that's always an option. Um there's a lot going on with this. He's got a rough outline, he said, so uh, for his UAS, UAS requirements and everything. And he's got several pilots already that are 107 certified. So he's got the um, that learner's permit, <laughs> if, if yeah. you will, for, for those guys, you know, those men and women, to, uh, to at least get their foot in the door with a UAS program. What do you say to him for... But what are the failure? Let's look at the failure points because that's that that's what he stressed at the end. He he doesn't want to come to a point where there's a failure due to any unforeseen circumstance. And so the main failure point that I see is the blue storm right now. Yeah. I'll, I'll address it as what it is. Um, yeah. You know, procuring the wrong equipment so early on in the game. If that equipment doesn't have a shelf life, 
or the uncertain shelf life that could end the entire program. Um, because if let's say they go out and they say, Oh, you know what? We're going to buy two brand new, you know, DJI M three fifties. And they say the next week, Oh, well, you can't use those in the state anymore. Well, that's over $60,000 gone. That's literally sitting on a shelf. So definitely they have to, you know, get in touch with the, their local law enforcement, their local fire, Office of Emergency Management, and people using the equipment in the area that are already subject to these, these bans, if possible, and see what equipment they're looking into or what equipment they're looking to buy. Yeah. The next one would be failure to be able to deliver a deliverable. Um, so if everybody's operating on drone sense and he walks in with air data, or vice versa. If he, wa- he walks in with drone sense and they're on air data, there's got to be compatibility across the board. So yeah. again, just reaching out to you know these companies and these departments that are already utilizing the technology and say, hey, what are you guys using? How can I get this deliverable to you? What workflows would you like to do? I know that they're their own separate area and being a volunteer, it opens up a lot of doors, but he would have to provide full deliverables. Yeah. And if he's not able to provide a full deliverable, then it's almost null and void anything that they would work to achieve yeah i i actually i actually like how it works when you and i get on and we kind of brainstorm these things because i actually have a completely different viewpoint on this and i'm looking at it as the area of the country that he's operating in and there's a lot going on in that area with law enforcement and public safety right yes unfortunately for the negative and i think what a good move for him would be to start polling for public relations and everything and going that route. Now he's lucky enough where he's dealing with a nonprofit. So they're already involved in the community, you know, to begin with. But I, I think that public relations aspect could be a major factor in how well um, or how successful that UAS program could be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, a, thousand ways to skin a cat but i mean the end results <laughs> still the same you know should we go down should we should you want you want to go down the rabbit hole on that because i'm sure yeah. you can rattle off 650 yeah 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 <laughs> exactly absolutely i'm cat skinning professional <laughs> i agree with you on the blue uas initiative and everything going on with that and how you have to have all your ducks in a row but uh, I, I look at it as that other, that other standpoint of the area of the country that he's trying to operate in. Yeah. And it's, um, there's a lot going on on the law enforcement side. I know that. Um, well, then reach out on the FD side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reach out on the emergency operations side and, of things. And, um, it, there's got to be a FEMA close by or a task force close by. I'm sure there's some CERT organizations, some local drone alliances that be able to point them in the right well, direction. And, he, and, he, and he's going about it the right way where that nonprofit that he's, that he's um, volunteering with is working with local FD. Correct. And I think going that way, if you have an option, I think it's always better to go that way as opposed to the other, just because of that stigma that's attached to uh, to law enforcement. Yeah, and we also got to remember too, that um, like you're only as good as your trust. Yeah. So, you know, it's very hard to get into, you know, law enforcement and fire if you're an outsider per se, uh, until they start seeing, you know, actual data or actual work that's being produced from you and your organization, then they'll start to respect like working alongside of somebody that's not themselves. Um, it seems like he already established a working relationship or their community has already established a working relationship with the fire department. So that's easy to ask them to say, hey, what can we do to help you know, you, when you go into these operations and how can we assist, you know, the overall picture 
across the board. And I, I think by giving them clear answers and a clear definition, they'll come up with mission objectives. And then that will kind of build out their use case of what equipment to actually procure and how yeah. to use it. And, and I wish I had a little bit, a little bit more knowledge on that, that whole, that advanced tech to supply the community when he had stated that. Yeah. Um, what, what did he mean by supporting the community? Uh, was that meant for, for the fireside? Was it meant for public safety as a whole? I mean, I, I, I would have liked, we would be able to fine tune our answers a little bit more if we had a little bit more breakdown as to the direction that he was going for the community. Yeah, absolutely. But I think we can give them a, a clear cut, you know, way of going about things. And yeah. that is just network and find out use cases and make sure that your equipment's going to be applicable um, to meet your mission objectives and your use cases to deliver use cases that you could actually deliver. You can't oversell your program, but you don't want to undersell it as well. Um, this way you could say, you know, this is what we're capable of right here and now. This is what we plan on in the future. And then if you oversell something and under deliver, that's that's just the nail in the coffin right there. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Especially on the public safety side. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Neil, I hope this helps you out. Um, I think you're on the right track, I, you know, with uh, with working for the non for profit and going the FD route, the support to community. If you want to elaborate on that, maybe we could do a follow up on, uh, for you and give you a little bit more idea. But like John said, you have to have a really good um Definitive outline as to the direction you're going and how you're going to deliver that data to, you know, said organization or, um, or, or agency. Um, I think that public aspect of gaining the public's trust is super important. And like I said, with that area of the country that you're in, even more so. And like John said, Blue UAS is always, um, always a hot topic right now. You really never know when it's going to hit your area of the country. So absolutely wary of it. Right. And yeah. And training. Um, I would look for trainings that are specifically for emergency operations. You know, props, public safety. That's that's what we focus on. We focus on emergency operations based training, regular, simple, everyday operations and drone training will be good as a training. But if you're on the operations and emergency part of this, you know, in that sector, there's certain things and certain nuances that public safety do that are a little bit different than normal everyday drone operations. Definitely, definitely. Um, so it definitely to gear your training into that operations, that public safety type style of operating will only enhance your program and really deliver the pilots um, to capability that's going to be useful for public safety. Yeah. On, on top of that, having that that solid training regimen built into your program, especially when you're trying to push it out uh, to the community and to that local F, F fire department, that you have a regimen built in to maintain proficiency in, in your day-to-day operations, I think is super important. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, in, uh, even though that he mentions it's volunteer as well, but it's going to be a 24-7 gig. Somebody still needs to maintain that equipment. Somebody needs to make sure that it's in perfect working order. The updates are there. The equipment's in where it's supposed to be. It's charged up to, you know, at least a certain capacity. Maybe if they leave like one battery, you know, on fully charged and then the others in storage or yeah, it's got to yeah. be some sort of, you know, procedure written up for this equipment. Who's in charge? How often is it tested? How often is it flown? Is it flown weekly? Is it flown daily? Um, uh, when's it maintained? And all that stuff really needs to be addressed because all that um, needs with a volunteer that organization needs to like that, it's it's not going to operate every day. 
No, um, no, no. Then, but but regardless of whether you're a volunteer, nonprofit, paid or otherwise, proficiency is proficiency. And absolutely. You need to be even across the board, regardless of of the uh, department, agency or uh, non for profit or whatever else you're working for. Yeah, I would start by creating an entire program outline um, yeah. and then kind of going down the rabbit hole and addressing all these little situations that we address, you know, the, you know, working with local law enforcement and fire OEM to see what kind of deliverables they would need, um, procuring the type of equipment, see if they're operating on any specialized systems, they need drone sense, uh, air data or whatever, see if there's any legislation down the pipeline um, and what to do with that, how to mitigate that, um, yeah. and so on and so forth. And I think he has a pretty solid idea of what they want to achieve with the drone. And I think just, you know, reaching out and networking with, you know, different organizations, I think they could easily achieve that um, and do it in the proper manner as well. So finding a, a platform that fits your use cases, finding a way to get that deliverable out to the necessary people and being proficient with the, with your UES and, and all of your training. So yeah, absolutely. All that, get all that written out. And I, I think you have a, you have a great foundation to a successful program. Yeah, absolutely, Neil. And as always, you could always hit, you know, Mike and myself up and, you know, whatever questions you have, we'll be glad to answer or, you know, put you in touch with people that can if we cannot answer them. Absolutely. Um, this absolutely. is a small yep. community and it's a tight knit community and we're all here and here together to help each other. Uh, and, and we don't know everything. And if we don't know, we'll find the people that do. Absolutely. <laughs> Neil, best of luck to you. And I think that wraps up another edition of Props for Book Safety, right? Yeah, absolutely, Mikey. Right. Send it home. All right, man. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Props Public Safety Podcast. Stay safe, fly safe, and we'll see you at the next one. Thanks for joining us at the Props Public Safety Podcast. If you want to take flight with our hosts and learn more about our public safety education program, go to propsflightschool.com and click the public safety button.